0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to our show. Good people. Welcome. By the way, I don't want to discriminate bad people. Welcome to our show as well. Anybody who want to learn more about management, it's better to listen the entire episode. And I'm so excited to discuss this topic with Davis Win. How are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. For me, a big pleasure. I, you know, I, I love about management. Uh, We chatted a little bit before the episode and uh Let me tell you why, you know, uh, I tried many things and got it, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to be successful everywhere. It's better to uh, uh, find experts and uh, create cohesive project, you know, to unite them with uh, some cohesive goals. Before we start. Tell more about your self-experience, background, and why you decided to share with us about management consulting. Sure, absolutely. So I'll talk with
1: my family, actually. So obviously, you're Ukrainian, so we'll, we'll share this one. Is that my, my parents were immigrants. They were political refugees from the Vietnam. And so when they moved mm-hmm. to the United States, before, they were just basically farmers. And so when they came to the U.S., they would take up any type of job they can get, like service workers, making food, working airline baggage claim, and so forth. any anyway, they mean so... The, the path I was on was very, super unconventional, like my, my parents. So there's always a joke that when you grow up with Asian parents, you have to be a doctor, an engineer, or a, a banker, a lawyer, one of those, right? And for my family, they were like, yeah, we don't really know anything about that. We're not sure how college works, but you'll you'll figure it out. And so I, I had to figure it out. We we grew up in one of the poorest communities in the United States. So about one or four people lived below the poverty line. And so I had to I really figure all these things out. And so when when I when I finally got to, to college, so I ended up luckily enough getting a scholarship to Yale. And when when I was at Yale, I remember one of the first dinners I ever had with. My the incoming first year students, the freshmen, and already people are like, Oh, one person asked, What do you want always want to do after college? And I was like, Oh, I just got here, I'm not sure I did over And around the table, people would say, Oh, I want to be a lawyer. In my mind, I'm like, Oh, yeah, I know a couple of divorce lawyers in my community, yeah, yeah lawyers that I can't make good money. And then one person's like, I want to be a banker. And in my head, I was like, Why do you want to be a banker? I have a lot of friends who didn't graduate. High school, and they're working at Bank of America as a bank teller. Why do you want to go to college, get a degree, and then you become a bank? Of course, I didn't know about Wall Street investment banking or anything like that. So, my path was very, pretty unconventional. And how I came to management consulting was that I ended up working at a series of nonprofits and internships during my, my summers in Michigan College. And all the CEOs and founders had come from management consulting as a background. And they said, Davis, hey, one day you're gonna be a great entrepreneur. You're gonna make an impact in the world, but you should consider a path called management consulting. It'll just teach you how to think like a business owner. It'll give you skills. You'll be exposed to really big problems at big companies. So you'll work with the big brands, the big tech companies, the big consumer products, the big hardware companies and so forth and just get a variety of skills. You could stay for a year, two years, 10 years, whatever it is, but you'll learn a ton. And so I took their advice and ended up applying to management consulting. So for anyone who doesn't know how to feel worse, it's basically, you're like a business doctor. So when a business has a big problem they can't solve, they'll pay hundreds of thousands of millions of dollars to your firm to come in and basically hire a team of really smart people to solve the problem. The, so it sounds great. You get paid, you basically get paid a lot out of college or university or any degree to, to work on problems. The problem is that getting in is a very low probability in fact like one of the most popular firms their acceptance rate is one percent so that's like so it's eight times easier to get into an ivy league school than it is to get into like a management consulting firm and i was lucky enough to get an offer at a few of these firms and i ended up choosing one of them called and company and that's where, where i started my career which is helping large companies and teams figuring out how to start their problems like i saw everything from helping a pharmaceutical biotech company launch a life-saving drug and figuring out what country they should log in to launch to which demographic which channel to distribute to to helping uh to helping a public school system figure out a way to retain their teachers so It was like all the, the projects ran the gambit between between the types of projects the type of people and the type of impact i was making and so i did that and afterwards I just really loved what i was doing and eventually joined a startup, joined an education startup and on the side started a company that would eventually become my consulting offer where I would go full time with a team. And we basically helped people start careers in management consulting. So that's how I got my, my start in management consulting. That's why I help people today become management. It's just like something that I felt developed the skill sets that you're not going to find anywhere else in any career path.
0: Yeah, love it, love it. I think you know you need to write the book. Uh, let me tell you why. Be- <laughs> you know because you are good with uh, sharing stories. You know when I listen to your story, you know uh, uh, I want to learn more about management consulting. I got it that you can uh, touch minds by sharing stories. So yeah. By by the way, I see a few good books. You know especially Atomic habits uh, on your background. I love this book. Uh, uh, Let me ask you about your loving books. And uh, because you know, uh, I'm passionate about uh, reading books. Uh, I spend some time. uh, I'm trying to read uh, one, two books a week, but it depends, of course, uh, many other things to do. Can you tell uh, your loving books and how they can help you? uh, And then we can get back to the main topic.
1: Yeah. oh absolutely i i love books i i love reading them i love rereading books so i'll tell you my philosophy on on, on reading books so the first off is when, when i think about books i really think about one of three buckets is one am i reading because there's a problem i want to solve like for example when i was overweight one of the books one of the trends i would read is books about how to how to eat healthy and how to build a habit of eating healthy so i was trying to solve an active problem so that was the first types of books or when i was about to graduate from college i would read books about oh well, what does it mean to to be your own person, to manage your own finances and so forth, like that. So that's the first type of book. The second type of book is just pleasure reading. It might not solve a problem today or ever, but just books that I just enjoy because sitting down, being able to read it just passes the time. And I just imagine a lot of autobiographies, a lot of biographies, a lot of fiction books fall in this category. And then the third type of books are books that are outside of something I would consider, but just. I just wanna learn more about that particular topic. And it, it's like one of those things where if I wanna learn a little bit more about history and so forth, it might not solve a problem or it might not be like pleasure reading at 8 PM, but it's something I wanna learn. And so it falls on to one of the three buckets. So that's the, the my philosophy of the three. Second philosophy I have is getting good books. So I don't pretend to know every single good book, but I do know a lot of readers who are fantastic. Some people tend to read a book or two a week and others have uh, the opposite mindset, which is they only want to read one or two books a year, but they want to make those one or two books meaningful, act on it. And so I'll get a, I'll get suggestions for both of it. That's how I discover a lot of my books. And some books I do read multiple times and implement. Others books are just more like, oh, I want to read it, move to the next topic, go on and binge on it. And the third type of book that, or the type third philosophy I have to read books is I, if I read the first two chapters and I'm just not into it, I will literally just drop the book <laughs> and not get too case the world has so many books. Like there are some books that I think a lot of people like and recommend and then i read the book and i'm like okay it's not my quite my cup of tea and so i would drop it and move on to the next book and so those are my three philosophies is does this solve a problem bring me pleasure or just something i want to learn about second is who are smart people who i look up to who i like their taste of reading ask their recommendation for books and third if i read a book and i don't like it then i will just stop and i don't feel guilty about it
0: yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I think some books can help with sleep. You know, when uh, you have the problem with sleeping, so you can read uh, these books and you know sleep well the whole night. You know, you don't remember anything from this book, but yeah, it can help you know <laughs> to get to go to the bed. Okay. Uh, by the way, uh, when you write your first book, uh, please send to me. I'll share with my audience because uh, I want to be the first reader of this book because <laughs> I see you know how you can share the stories. I love it and uh, yeah uh, I'm pretty sure that you will write the book about management consulting so I I need this book as well. Okay let's talk about uh, the main topic can you tell uh, management consulting more Uh, what kind of difference uh, management consulting with uh, just management and consulting how to unite these words and why it's uh, important for someone who uh, are looking for ways to find
1: something new (laughs) Yes, absolutely. So then management consulting, as the name implies, you're consulting to management and as a way you learn through management how to solve these problems. And I think it's one of those rare careers that combines so much. Like you're not going to learn. There's very few careers where you're going to have to learn more than you can in management consulting. And after going through it, I remember when I first started, my mentors told me, hey, you should go to management. And I was like, uh, I'm not quite sure. Well, I don't know what it is about research. it." I'm like, well, why don't I just start a business right away? And it's only after I've gone through management do I learn the tangible skills that they were talking about, as well as just being able to see my own growth during those years I was in consulting. And so, and when you're in management consulting, what happens is that when you start, you get picked onto a team, so you're never alone. You'll get picked on a team with other experts and so as well. And you'll go into a company and solve their problem. Like for example, if a, let's say a luxury brand Wants to figure out what's their next product you might be interested in luxury brands you can work on that project and figure out what's the next project they launch where they launch it how they launch it when they launch it and it could go to the other stream like and if you feel like you know i'm not really into luxury brands or product launches and if you want to learn other side skill sets management only allows you to do that for example i really cared about education so i worked on a lot of education projects figuring out how to optimize like or school systems that were low income, similar to what I grew up in. And so there's a variety of skill sets that you learn. So you learn a few things in when you're in consulting. And I would say that there's four, four skills that pretty much everyone leaves with. One is you leave with being able to solve really tough problems. You're able to take a difficult issue and break it down to its individual parts so you can actually solve it. And this skill goes to you for for life, for no matter what it is that you're trying to do. And so that I learned even after I left consulting and I went to work at an education startup, one of the things that we were having issue with was how to grow our audience. And so that's a very great problem, like how do you grow your audience? But using the same skills in consulting, I was able to break that problem down to each of the different parts, solve each of those, and together, we were able to grow the, the business as well as the company's profits. So that's the first skill you learn, is just problem solving, structured thinking. The second thing that you learn is just a confidence in being able to deal with business problems just because you're seeing so many different types of problems because companies don't hire management consultants unless they can't solve it internally. So you learn how to build a confidence in yourself. The third skill that you learn is you learn how to work well with people on your team and with the clients, because even though you're a consultant, you can't force somebody to take your action. You have to walk them through it. You have to be able to manage them without directly them, them being someone who reports to you. So that's like the type of influence that you need to be able to build, because if you have that skill, when you can take that to anywhere, you can persuade people, you can influence people, you can make persuasive arguments that move them towards taking action. So that's like the third of the skills that you learn. And the fourth skill you learn is you learn how to prioritize. Like, because you're a manager, because only the company will, they pay you a lot, they expect a lot out of you. And there's a lot of work that you can be done, but you want to be able to prioritize, what are the biggest things that I need to get done? Because as an entrepreneur or any profession that you decide to do afterwards, the, the more, senior your role, the more higher up you are, the more you have to deal with. And so on a day to day basis, it's like, oh, there's a 100 things I need to work on today, what's the most important one thing I need to get done. And being in consulting, lets you have that skill set to be able to just quickly identify what's that one thing, work on it and not be distracted by all the other 99 things that are, could be on your plate.
0: Love it, love it. Yes, yeah, so valuable. You know, you mentioned words that uh, I'm using myself all the time. Let's talk about confidence. Can you tell how to build this confidence? For example, uh, you know, uh, I remember when I decided to launch my YouTube channel and I felt it's better to break my leg than film uh, a first video. You know, yeah, I I was not confident about that, but uh, I, can, I could overcome uh, all my fears because of consistency. I just filmed. Uh, And uh, didn't care a lot about engagement, about results, about many other stuff because I got one interesting uh, tip that uh, it's better to film a hundred bad videos. Just film a hundred bad videos, build this confidence, and you can get experience to go ahead. Can you tell how to build confidence in management consulting?
1: Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, I definitely enjoy your channel as well. I, I saw the first videos you posted about three, three and a half years ago. And now you're just right in front of a camera, no professional setup. You're just talking. And then of course, one of your later videos, like the LinkedIn one, where you have like a backdrop, you have a professional setup. And of course you go from like a couple hundred views to like the LinkedIn video having I think, nearly a hundred thousand views. Right. So you see that progression of it and it's, it's similar in consulting business, I would say, so it's not just management consulting, but in general, it's one of the things i learned about. Confidence. So this is before I started working consulting, but when when I was little, one of the things that I just needed was public speaking. So one of the things that when I was was I was in grade school was I didn't like presenting in front of audiences, and it was only I had to mm-hmm. to, on to be able to build my confidence up. And one of the things that I learned along the way is that confidence doesn't come from a lack of fear. It comes from two places. One is being able to acknowledge that fear, but still realizing that there's a greater purpose to you doing this. So obviously when you're in grade school, it's like a grade, but later on in life, a lot of times when you're giving presentation, it's about servicing someone else or being able to make their life better. So when, for example, when you're on stage invited to speak at a conference as a consultant or in front of a client, you're not really thinking, thinking about yourself. Like the people who do think about yourself, they always think about in your head. Mm-hmm. How am I gonna mess up today? How are they gonna hate what I'm talking about? And why are they just not going to enjoy what I'm saying? But I flip that script and I think, how can I change somebody's life and how can I make their lives better? Like, for example, when I'm a management consultant and I'm presenting in front of clients, I always think this plan will create new jobs. So I need to be able to advocate for this. This will help people's careers. This will give people an opportunity. And that changes my mindset from, hmm, how am I going to advance my career in this consulting firm to how can I help my clients and ultimately the people that they serve? Mm-hmm. yeah love it love it
0: okay let's talk about other words uh you mentioned about uh confidence it's the first word about communication with others okay for example if someone uh is shy you now uh and it's hard to communicate with others uh, like i don't know uh uh can you tell how to uh you know how to wor- overcome these fears how to communicate with others because i think it's important in management consulting yeah to uh, understand others to listen to them uh to build the right conversations from your experience how to do it
1: yeah so that that's a very common question actually it's like when you were you someone who shy you work were- you feel like you're you're not the type of person who wants to be client-facing and go through. And so first of the, the higher level question I like to, like to answer is this, is that do you want something that's customer, client, front-facing at all? Because there are amazing, amazing people who never have to take the stage, who never have to present or barely represent, and you're able to be great experts in their field. So it's like, one is do you want to stretch yourself to grow? If not, there's no one forcing you, except for yourself. For example, if you if your if your goals in life does not involve communication in any ways, but just working in small groups and so forth, that can be it. But let's assume that you are someone who considers yourself shy, but you want to be able to go out and be able to talk to people. Is the first thing I, I learned about this is just I was myself, I would categorize myself as that person. I would say I hated talking to people. It was just it made me so nervous when I was like, but it's the same confidence that, that I grew, which is that I stopped thinking about myself and I thought about the other person. As in when I'm having, when I was in high school and having lunch and going through this, it's like, well, I want to get to know the other person sitting across from the lunch table. I want to make a friend. But instead of thinking, hey, I want to talk about myself. It's more like I would just start off by asking questions. And I, I was like, oh, what's your favorite subject in class? Who's your favorite teacher? A little basic questions like that. But it really helped me break out of my shell and really focus on, on people who otherwise I would have not had a chance to talk to. So I'll, I'll, share, I'll share one story, which is when I got, even when I was in college, my first week of college and so forth, I'm this kid, first generation college student coming to a campus like Yale, you know, a community that doesn't normally send people to Yale. And I was really nervous. I was like shy about, I was like, wow, will they like me when they judge me when I clothes? I'm overweight. I'm like all these things. This is before I read the books about how to eat healthy. And one thing I did was I said, well, what's a way for me to be good with people without me having to feel like I'm at the, the center of the spotlight? And so, one thing I did was the summer before college, I taught myself a YouTube videos on how to do magic tricks. And what I would do is I would literally carry a deck of cards with me and use a magic trick. So, and of course, I would talk to the people around, like, oh, yeah, what, what, what city are you from? and what do you think about studying when you're in college and things like that and while yeah, i'm doing magic tricks. So it's like an icebreaker for me and so I'm not saying you have to do magic tricks or keep like a deck of cards behind you but sometimes i realized that it wasn't about the magic it was more like people just were just so engaged and i was taking the time to get to know them and it's like one of my favorite quotes which is that if you talk to yourself people tune out but if you talk about other people and show an interest in them they'll can talk for hours and that was like my philosophy it was like people think i'm a good talker but really just listening
0: Nice. 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 Yeah, uh, I definitely will read your book when you write it. Okay, let's talk about uh, uh, companies who hire management consultants. Uh, Okay, for example, um, you know, I asked my community that I have uh, the conversation with Davis about management consulting, and uh, they asked me uh, what kind of salary they can get if they take this occupation. I I don't want to ask this question because I I know it depends. Of course, it depends. But uh, tell uh, which companies uh, need management consultants and why. Sure, I'll actually
1: answer the salary question, if anyone was interested as well. Okay, yeah, yeah, you can reply. So obviously it, it ranges from a couple of things, right? So the, the three things that it ranges from is one, what country you're in. So for example, countries will vary depending on the salary. And second is that it'll vary depending on the office location that you're at. For example, the difference between New York versus living in, for example, a lower cost country or a lower cost city like Atlanta. And a third is the, third is the level and firm you're coming in at. So, for example, if you're coming in as a manager level, a little easier than coming in as, like, an entry level versus a middle level, right? So you'll earn more. So typically though, so this is kind of coming from the U.S., is that if you're straight out of college in the U.S., and a lot of people are surprised about this, it's like, you just graduated, you're at an entry level. Currently, right now, the benchmark for making consulting salaries is, like, $112,000, so... Mm-hmm. So you're already making over a hundred thousand dollars in your first year and this is before like you're talking about your performance bonuses, your promotions. and then within two years you're getting roughly about like a forty percent raise on average depending on your position. So imagine forty percent raise after two years and then later on you can make a quarter million, half a million so forth. So it's like so basically the, the growth of your salary is very exponential in consulting it is one of the appealing factors it's not one of the only ones if money is the only thing that's driving you towards consulting i wouldn't personally recommend it as in there, you should actually just love like wanting to learn or working with people smart people as well as smartening yourself as well growing yourself it's like there's a lot of other reasons to get into consulting money is a lever, but i want to make sure that other people are motivated by other lovers as well when they get into consulting and so that, that's the first question to, to the, the salary part of it. And to the second part like what kind of it, mm-hmm. companies hire consulting? It's like all over. It's like, for example, think about the top luxury brands, think about the luxury cars, think about the luxury hotels, like all the luxury, but all the way down to like the nonprofits, like the Gates Foundation, think about the tech companies that you use every single day, just think about the consumer brands that you drink, the sodas that you drink. It's like pretty much the, the joke is that almost every large company has some sort of management consulting firm who is working with them at almost any time. And the thing about consulting is that management consulting is that we like to take the, the shadow approach, which is we don't like to be in the limelight. As in, if the CEO hires us and they have a great idea, we're not going to take credit for it. It is more like hey, mm-hmm. you know, they hired us. These are the what we're going to work for. So we're like the advisors behind the seats, behind the, the boards and things like that. And so, but the good, but you can kind of see is like, if you ever go on LinkedIn and you're curious, you can see all the companies that hire a forum consultant. You can see that it's like quite high up. It's like, there are people who work in consulting for just two, three years, and then they leave for another company and they immediately become a manager, a VP and so forth, like higher than people who started off at the, the rung of it. And so some, some of the most popular alums, and I'll give you some examples is for example, Zina Prachar who is the CEO of Alphabet as well as Google spent two years in consulting, Sheryl Sandberg spent a year in consulting, he's now CEO of Meta, is formerly Facebook, and a bunch of other great names. like There's just an endless name of former consultants who go on to all these roles, and you'd be amazed what kind of career paths it opens. Like, you don't have to do business. Like Literally, John Legend started his career, and I think he's a 12-time Grammy winner at this point, so it's kind of like you could take your career wherever. There's a bunch of people who founded media companies, entertainment, actors, and so forth. So, The the great thing about management management is the four core skills that you learn, the confidence, being able to problem solve, being able to work with other people, and being able to prioritize really helps you in any type of career path. And that's why you see former management is in all types of different fields and not just in business, in the CEO suite and so forth.
0: Nice. Nice. Love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, Let's talk about small, medium businesses because I have some audience who uh, owns uh, their uh, small businesses. Uh, Can you tell management consultants can help their businesses to grow, to extend, to achieve new levels and uh, how they can help with that?
1: I see them in two, you can hire them in two ways. One is you can hire Mm -hmm. them internally to your team. In fact, they're quite desirable for small and minimal companies, just because as I mentioned, like people go through management consulting and they have this well rounded general skill set. And so you can basically plug them into any route, like when, when I left consulting, I joined an education startup and I was basically uh, rotating between different teams, depending on what the project was. So I was in the operations, helping them grow out, let's say their customer service. I was in the marketing, figuring out how to make them grow. I was in their product team, launching the next product. I was in the strategy, forming that strategy. I was in finance trying to figure out how to streamline our processes and. No matter where you is, it's like a general skill set. And along the way, I would hire experts to replace me eventually. But it's like that general skill set who this person who basically can do everything and learn really quickly because that's what you do in consulting, is you go from working at a let's say a biotech company, and then the following week you're working at a private equity firm. So you have to be able to learn really quickly and ramp up the speed. That's the great way about consulting. And so when you hire someone internally, they can basically be that generalist that takes you to the next level in terms of being able to see a problem, break it down, solve it for you, move, hire someone to do it better, then move on. And so that's how I would think about hiring a consultant internally if you're hiring someone on your team. And of course, I, I'm biased because I hire a lot of people who are management uh, former and management consultants on my team. The second way you can hire them is obviously externally as a consultant. And in that case, what is their expertise that they have? For example, is a management consultant later on became a decided to become a digital marketing expert in particular they decided to specialize in let's say google ads then you could hire them in and they'll be able to explain things to you from end to end and so that's that's the way i would think about hiring so internally if you need someone who can be a jackpot trade build up your capabilities and scale your business or even run your business so you're you're able to think about the vision of it and strategy and the second part of it is just externally bringing them on as literally a consultant in whatever field that they're an expert in.
0: Yeah, valuable, valuable. Love it. Uh, you mentioned about um, growth, uh, how to, you know, that uh, it's possible to increase your uh, revenue by percent each year can you tell how to improve uh skills in management consulting for example if someone uh, choose this occupation wanna go ahead and of course they wanna grow anybody wants to get it uh, can you tell how to update your skills that you have
1: sure. so the amazing news is that in consulting because you work with so many smart people so many people who've got it longer than you and big brands is you're always going to be learning from your team you're going to be learning from the companies and of course the mistakes you make along the way as well but when you go into consulting, you'll learn like different skill sets depending on what you're working on. Like For example, if you're needing to look into data, it's like a great way for you. Like That's how I learn my Excel skills and even my data analytics skills is like, well, I have a big package of data. I need to go for insights to figure out, for example, who are the best employees here at this company? Well, let's go through a couple of metrics, figure out what, what the, the data is saying. So I've built up my analytics skills. And when I have to present to clients, I'm forced to build up my presenting skills. And uh, when I'm interacting with customers and clients of the company, I am literally building out my skills to be able to interview with customers and clients and so forth. So it's like you learn all these different types of skills. And of course, when you're project managing the whole consulting effort, you learn how to be a better operator, a better product manager, and to think strategically about what levers need to be pulled. And so you're always growing. And unless you're doing the same project a hundred times, you're always gonna be working on different projects. And so I think that's one of the great ways of being a victim is that unless you choose to, and some people eventually do, is they niche down into a certain field that they just really love. Like, for example, if you really love to be able to get into the weeds with marketing, that is it. But for other people, if they wanna say a journalist, they'll be able to take on different projects, like every two weeks, every two months, you're on a different project. And that just really builds your skill up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, love it, love it. Okay, let's talk about, uh, for example,
0: how management consulting can uh, figure out about specific niche. Uh, for example, if companies need them, but uh, products are uh, not common, now, uh some uh, niche, uh, I don't know, niche project. Can you tell uh, how to learn them and how to find how uh, uh, that way to help these companies uh, to decide or fix their problems that they have?
1: So, so if a company is thinking about like which particular product and so forth, is as I mentioned, you, you go in and I'll, I'll show you one of my projects I did was we actually had to help a large social media company and we pretty much everyone uses them every day. And they were thinking about launching their 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 hardware product. So we're like, oh, which one we're going to mm-hmm. do? And so we have to think about it from a different couple of lenses of views. Like, for example, one, which one can we actually build, right? For example, there are so many different ideas that they have, but can we actually build with it? As in, like even feasibility-wise, is it feasible to do? Second is what does the market want? Like, for example, you can build the most complicated thing, but if the market's not gonna buy it, then it doesn't make sense for you to wanna work on that project and to waste resources and money. So we want to be able to say, examine who would actually buy it. Third is is there a market for it? So is there a way for the market to actually grow over time? So not only can we sell it, but will it grow, or is it just like a declining market? Like for example, you could start selling newspapers, but that's gonna be a declining market. So you would definitely wanna avoid doing that. And the fourth thing is, is there any synergies with the company? Like for example, what, what else are they offering? And can we somehow leverage that to, to help and to market to sell it? So we're looking at it from different angles. And then when you compare it holistically versus saying, oh, I feel this is my gut feeling about this, then you're gonna be able to make a more informed decision that's actually backed up with rationale, logic, data and so forth. And that's how we help companies and that's how, I still approach my company today is that yes, we can have a gut feeling, but I was like, we need to validate this. It's like, what data do we have that will help us be able to prove if this is true or not? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Interesting. You know, my son is
0: interested why I am still working, you know? (laughs) So yeah. Uh, Okay. Uh, Let's talk about um, uh, one interesting question that I got from about management consulting from my group. Uh, Best practices in management consulting. Uh, Do you have some best practices or your checklist? uh, What to use and uh, what you shouldn't do? Because you know, uh, I often see when people use generic methods or obsolete methods or something like this. Uh, Can you share your list? What to do and what shouldn't do?
1: Sure, Uh, I'll do do both sides of the point, so there's a couple of things that I always keep in mind, and this applies not just management, but just I feel like in just running a business or just in general in life and any product you pick on. First is define the problem that you're actually solving for, so there's nothing there's nothing worse than solving the wrong problem or a problem that's not needed, so I always think about is this problem worth solving and what's really the problem that we're we're trying to, to solve for. So for example, if a company says, hey, we want to open up in a new market, it's like, why do you want to open up a new market? Is it to fix profitability? Is it like, do we need to open up in a new market or can we just optimize what we're currently at? So two different problems, but what's the root cause of it? The second thing in management consulting is you want to align on expectations, right? So for the person that you're working with, who you're consulting with, if they have a different ex- expression of what success looks like, and you do, like for example, uh, there was one project I, I worked on and we were able to save the company about a hundred million dollars every single year that's a lot of money but of yeah. course they had that we had to talk about what's the target that they had in mind was it 100 million or was it for example if I didn't know that number and I came to them, I was like hey I found you a million dollars in savings to most people a million dollars is amazing but for this company I was like "Well, oh, that's only one percent of our goal we're trying to get a hundred million here and so in actuality their target was like 80 <laughs> 80 million so we, we over exceeded on that one but the but you need to know what the expectations are because, for example, let's talk about seo, for example, if you increase their traffic by. 20% that might or might be good, but if they're like not we to increase it by 30 40% increase the page rank on some of these then you didn't set up expectations, you want to be aligned with that. The mm-hmm. third thing here is you want to be able to add value and this sometimes means turning away projects that you just cannot take on because one it's going to damage your reputation too you're going to spin your wheels and third is that it costs you time and effort so every project that you take on means that you're not taking on another project so there might be a project that's like oh it seems like this is amazing and so forth it's kind of like if you're into if you're a Google ads marketer and all of a sudden there's an opportunity, a client is willing to pay you a lot to do Facebook, but you've never done Facebook ads in your life and how they force anything, yeah. then it's going to be like hitting your head against one, you're going to use that time to grow out other clients, Google ads. So it's the same idea there. So the, in, in, in general, those are the three things that I keep in mind is that one, make sure that you know what the problem you're solving for two, aligning on what success looks like. And then three, make sure you can just add a ton of value in terms of what you can do. And that means saying no to projects that might pay out a lot, but you're just going to end up not creating that much value.
0: Nice, nice. Love it. Yeah, Uh, I often get uh, such requests, for example, uh, you know, uh, like uh, I can fix uh, or set up marketing campaigns in Facebook, Google, uh, to provide SEO, LinkedIn marketing, Twitter, YouTube, uh, content creation, anything. I don't know, guys, how it's possible, even, for example, my uh, main uh, direction is SEO, but I'm not good with many directions in SEO because I know uh, technical SEO is hard, uh, uh, link building, even link building, we can divide to guest posting, white headed link building, PR, many other stuff. So, yeah, it's better to pay attention to one specific direction and be better than others. Yeah, I agree with you 100% about that. Can you tell? Uh, Let's imagine. uh, You have no experience, uh, skills, anything. You started from scratch. What will you do to learn today about management consulting?
1: I had no skills and I was trying to learn how to be a mentor and just build a career in management consulting and so forth. So there's like two paths you can do. You can either go to a company that does management consulting, they'll hire really smart people. Obviously, that's what we help people do. And so you get free resources on our site, things like that. But if you're trying to build out certain skills, it's like really thinking about what skill do you want to learn. And uh, my always my always joke is that to be rich, you have to pick a niche. And so that's another way for you to learn instead of being a generalist, is really go deep into one thing. Like for example, there's a bunch of clients that we work with who are PhDs, they finished it, and they wanna go into consulting, and a lot of them come from life science backgrounds. So their first clients will be life science-type companies just because that's gonna leverage. It means that they're not gonna be stuck there forever. But as they build that skill set, that I mentioned, like being able to have that business confidence, being able to break down problems, being able to communicate clearly, being able to set expectations and so forth, they'll be able to build that skill set out. And it's the same thing if you're starting today is, pick something, go deep into it. And it's like you mentioned, that's like saying, if you were gonna start a marketing agency today, you're like, oh, we do copywriting, we do Twitter, we do LinkedIn, we do YouTube. It's like really hard. Like even you do SEO, as you mentioned, like, you could break that down too many we so like go down and really niche down and really, really good at what you mentioned. like for example it's the same as if you wanted to start a marketing agency It's like, well what form of marketing let's say you want to do search engine optimization seo and like, well there's branches of that as you mentioned there's doing the technical part like make sure the website's fast like if you want to learn that focus on that if you want to be able to optimize the content the rating the, the on-page stuff optimize on that if you want to do the off page hey be able to get backlinks be able to get references in media pr you can do that but just really pick an inch and when you hone that in what I find is that when you're there, you're just singularly focused and you're building up that sales set, but you're also able to leverage that skill set a lot faster and be able to charge more. So to give you the difference of this is I, I have friends who have who shared this public with me and they own three different types of restaurants. So each of them own a different type of restaurants, but the commonality they have is sushi. And so there is one owner who owns a Chinese buffet who happens to have sushi. And this person makes in the hundred thousand in profits after paying out their staff every single year. So they do like a Chinese buffet plus sushi on the side. So it's not like their specialty, but they have sushi. And then you have someone who just does like sushi, more like American style sushi. And so this person makes twice as much as the person. And all they do is like American sushi. And you have a third owner. What they do is they just make Japanese style sushi. Like so, they don't do California rolls right yeah. or anything. They literally sashimis and some nigiris and mix And they just focus on that. So again. All of them have sushi in common, but you can kind of see that it's more niche. And the third person makes 10 times more in profits than the first person and about five times more than the second person. But it's not like he has a bigger team or anything like that, but he just chose to niche down and get really good at one thing. Cause sometimes people think that when you, when you niche down that you're giving up everything, but honestly, you, if you're really great at what you do and the whole world who's using these services go to you you're not gonna have enough time or space to be able to entertain you. Like for example, the world's best sushi place is still taking reservations months in advance and years in advance. And so you're not, even they're not able to service everyone. So that's why my philosophy is like, you have to go generalist, join like one of these firms, or you have an expertise, or you wanna build expertise and go really niche and you're gonna be fine as there's gonna be so much demand for you that if you're really great at what you do, then people will wanna come and work with you
0: yeah valuable valuable love it yeah i agree with that i remember when i tried to uh, cover all social media facebook twitter instagram youtube linkedin and uh i got like five ten followers a day a few hundred views then i decided to pay all my attention to linkedin and yeah i left youtube as well so i built my audience much faster like 200 followers a day uh I got high engagement, uh, 10,000 views, and I got it. It's better to take one social media than trying to be jack-of-all-trades, you know, to to take everything. Yeah, I agree with that. Okay, let's talk about someone who, um, uh, for example, who has learned about uh, management consulting and want to find a first client. What to do? Uh, your advice about that, how to find the first client or the first customers who can help them to go ahead?
1: So so if you join a firm, then they will give you your first client or you'll be on a team and be able to do that. But if you're doing it solo and you're trying to find your first client is start with your local network. I always start with that. It's like Mm -hmm. you'll know someone who needs help. You might not make the biggest payday of your life there, but you'll be able to solve their problems quite easily. And so that's where I would like to start. Like, for example, I have a friend right now who is starting off her own management consulting and being very independent and she's just tapping into her network and seeing what kind of skills that they can build. So she is really good with building operations and processes, especially around hiring. And so what she's gonna do and what she did is to her her clients, she just reached out to her friends to see, hey, any of your companies looking to have a PR process, I will. And then her first job, when she first had it, it didn't pay her that much, but she was just trying to build out a reputation, trying to build out her skill set to build it out. And then of course the next client she's able to build more and continue to progress on that one. So same ideas, like pick a niche and then tap into your network, as in tap into the people you know, could you be very surprised who you know, as in it literally could be your neighbor who owns a lawn mowing company. And that could be the first client that you take on, or it could be the donut shop that you go to quite often. It's like, there's just so many things that you think about it's like, I always think about if you had to find a client by the end of the week, but if you knew that if you found his client, this client would give you a million dollars over their lifetime and so forth. You're going to do everything you can to find out who that client, you're going to knock on doors. You're going to call friends. You're going to figure out who you use and you're going to dig up all your connections and so forth. And so that, that's the same approach. As in getting started, I think people, overanalyze. They think I need this course, I need to learn this book, I need this resource, but really, you just need to start learning and implementing.
0: Nice, nice. Uh, Love all your tips. Uh, Davis, it's a big pleasure to get my show to learn from you tell our audience how they can reach out to you learn more about you follow
1: you. I'm very easy to find if you type in Davis when I know I'll be on a show notes because my last name is a little hard to to spell There, you'll be able to find me and you can always My website, myconsultingoffer.org, or just reach out to me at my email, dates at myconsultingoffer.org.
0: Yeah. Okay, guys, you can find uh, all these links in the description below. Listen us on Apple, Google, Spotify. Thanks again for your time. A big pleasure. Welcome back anytime Uh, to share more value. I love it, guys. You need to follow Davis. You can see a lot of valuable insights and learn more about management consulting because it's not about lucrative. It's more about uh, passion. You know, you can learn this passion from Davis. Okay, guys. Love you. See you.